Can you turn in your Bibles, please, to Exodus chapter 3? I love this story. Uh, The Bible is full of great stories uh, of the way that God interacts with people. And what you find in this passage, uh, this isn't just any old narrative. This, This is a transforming passage of Scripture. Where God takes a has been who's been living with failure for 40 years and says to him, I've not finished with you yet. The best is still to come. I love stories like that. Um, Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And there the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. There's a word to us there, isn't there, about being on fire for God and not being burnt out for God. <laughs> when, the Lord saw, uh, when the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. Isn't it reassuring to know that God knows your name? And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. And then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And at this, Moses hid his face, because he was afraid to look at God. And the Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt, I've heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I'm concerned about their suffering. So I've come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. The home of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I've seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you. And this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Shall we pray? Father, we come to you as people who are blind. We cannot see without you giving us revelation. We are deaf unless you unstop our ears. We are dead unless you impart life. Father, would you please, by your Holy Spirit, through your grace, speak with us and give us ears to hear, eyes to see, and receptive hearts. 
We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, I don't know if I wrote this or whether or not I pinched it from somebody else. Um, but let me just read you a statement and see what you, see what you make of it. Uh, where we are going is more important than where we've been or where we are now. Does anybody recognize that quote? <laughs> if you do, tell me. Otherwise, it was me who wrote it. Right, okay, fine. Um, where we are going is more important than where we have been or where we are now. And so if we were in a group conversation, I'd say, discuss. Oh, how about this one? Uh, from that wonderful, magical book, Alice in Wonderland. Alice, would you tell me, please, which way I ought to go from here? The Cheshire Cat. That depends a good deal on where you want to get to. Alice, I don't much care where. The Cheshire Cat. Then it doesn't matter much, so it doesn't much matter which way you go. So, as, so long as I get somewhere, Alice said. And the Cheshire Cat says, oh, you're sure to do that if only you walk long enough. Are you looking at a guy who needs to know where he's going? Um, most of you will have got these fancy sat-navs uh, in your cars or on your phone. And, um, and, and I'm sure they are helpful. But for me, if I'm going on a journey, I'll tell you now, I get the map out. And I write down all the major roads, uh, the key junctions, and I write them in an order. I've been doing that since I'm the age of 10. Now, when I used to go with my dad sometimes in the summer holidays, and we'd go, and we used to go all over the place. I remember I ended up in Glasgow once, and my dad was a van driver back then. And uh, to save money, we step stopped in the back of the van. And uh, in my only memory of Glasgow was that somebody tried to burgle the van while we were in it. <laughs> My dad got up and yawned and the people ran away. Um, but as we were heading up the different roads, and I'm not sure how many motorways there were when I was 10, uh, but I remember going through this list. Now, my dad didn't need it because he'd already got the list himself, but he, he was pretending that he needed the guidance from me. But we needed to know where we were going. And while it's true, actually, uh, for uh, a road journey... Um, it's particularly true for me in my Christian life. Dave, where are you going? Because how I answer that will determine how I live now. You ask, you ask somebody, who, say for example, somebody who wants to be a doctor. Okay? So they know where they want to go. When you see the kids coming through and they've done their GCSEs, they've done their elevators. So, so where are you going? Well, I, I want to be a doctor. Uh, I remember Emma saying to us when she was a kid, she, she wanted to either be a doctor or a Clark shoe fitter. Uh, and um, we thought that was it. Kids, just so wonderful. But you know, if, if you want to be a doctor, you know that actually there are implications now for you to get there. If for some of you, you want to be great musicians, or some of you want to be artisans of one shape or another, you know that for you to reach there, there are certain things that have to happen now. The first thing, the first thing that you've got to find out is where you are 
right now. I'm reminded, I think it was Tony Campolo. I know Tony Campolo is a hero of Caroline's and, and mine. And uh, he was telling this story that I think he was in the hills of Virginia somewhere and he'd got terribly lost and he stopped and asked somebody uh, about this place that he needed to get to. And the person shook his head and said, Oh, I'm sorry, you can't get there from here. Which is absolute nonsense, of course. Because we always get where we're going from where we Ah, so where are you, LBC? Where are you, Dyke Llewellyn? Because I tell you, I have a life goal, and I just want to be more like Jesus. I want to immerse myself so much in Jesus that there's something of the beauty of my Savior is seen in me. You see, because when I become more like Jesus, um, I, I become a more loving husband. I'm less irritating to the kids. I become a better leader. I'm more effective on my front line. It's getting really personal. I feel more alive. I have way more quality in terms of peace and joy. I, I want to be more like Jesus. And I just want to use this narrative that we've got this morning to just have a look at the journey that God takes Moses on. So where, where was he? We saw it in the passage. Uh, it says that Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, uh, in verse 1. And he led the flock to the far side of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. Where was Moses? He was in a desert. Ever been there? Some of you will have been to the, uh, the desert of Horeb. Um, but I guess if you're old enough, you will have been in a desert somewhere. He'd been in this desert for 40 years. Talk about a rut. Have you been in a rut? I, I, mean a, a, I mean, not a metaphorical one, I mean in a rut. When you go down the M5 sometimes, you, you find your car going into the ruts of the heavy trucks. Have you, have you, have you, had, have you had that? And, and, uh, and I tell you what, that's not fun when you pull in a caravan. Because you, you, you go on whatever. But go on the same, same, same. And you end up in a deeper, deeper rut. That might be the desert that some of you are in. We know we're Christians. But we just don't seem to be getting anywhere. Or with any sense of direction or purpose. The conditions for Moses are arid, discouraging, difficult. One of the first important rules about getting somewhere is knowing exact, exactly where you are and where you're at. There's no point playing pretend that we're all funky doody when we're not. To get an insight into how Moses was feeling, have a look at what he called his son. Uh, say, Zipporah, uh, Exodus chapter 2, verse 22, Zipporah gave birth to a son and Moses named him Gershom. 
So what does Gershom mean? Gershom means I've become an alien in a foreign land. Well, what a blessed name to give a child. <laughs> I have become an alien in a foreign land. He was a stranger. He didn't belong. He didn't fit in. And that's where he'd been for 40 years. Ever been there? How, how do you get into a place like that? How do you end up in a desert like that? Well, if you know the story of Moses, you know that he got there because he made a big mistake. He big, made a big mistake. He, he made the wrong choices. He made a bad decision. Uh, he saw the plight of his people and he saw one of the Egyptian slave drivers uh, beating up on one of the Hebrews and uh, it so incensed him that he actually uh, fought with the man and, kill, and killed him. And as a result of that, uh, the Pharaoh heard about it and, uh, and Moses ran for his life. And he'd been running for 40 years. Ever made mistakes? I mean big mistakes. I have. Are you going to commit any big mistakes in the future? I hope not. But probably. There's a lot of things that we can find uh, in this passage which I find very, very comforting. Let's pick it up uh, again uh, in uh, verse uh, 2. Uh, there the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. And Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it didn't burn. Uh, so Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. And when the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Don't come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you're standing is holy ground. And they said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And at this, Moses hid his face, because he was afraid to look at God. Here are some of the things that struck me as I read this passage. First one is, I love the fact that God meets us where we are at, and doesn't wait for us to get to where we should be. He meets us where we're at. Doesn't wait for us to get to where we think we should be. I love the fact that God hadn't given up on Moses. And he never gives up on us either. I love the fact that God never wastes our failures, but uses them to shape our character. Anybody relate to that? I love the fact that the highlight of Moses' life, even though he was 80, was still to come. God hasn't finished with you yet. Will you notice the things that God can use? Verse 2, have a look with me. Don't you find it strange what God uses uh, to speak into the lives of his children? Uh, there the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Why a bush? Isn't that fascinating? Uh, elsewhere in uh, scripture you'll find that God uses a raven. 
to feed Elijah. In another place, you have this rather bizarre incident of God using a donkey with Balaam. I was reminded years ago of somebody saying to me, Dave, if God can use a donkey, and uh, you can finish the sentence yourself, um, I find great encouragement from that. I keep saying to you, do you know, when you know your chipboard, you don't have to pretend to be teak. Now, I like teak, but Jesus Christ is the only teak I've ever met. God uses a whole host of things, whether it be a bush or a raven or a donkey or a relationship breakdown or a health issue or a job that goes south. He uses all kinds of things to get our attention and to get us back in the race and back in the direction that he wants us to go in. Did you notice as well is that God didn't say anything to Moses until Moses moved? Have you noticed that? So the bush is burning and God is on mute. And then Moses moves and God speaks to him. Verse 3. Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight. Why the bush does not burn up? When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God spoke to him. Do you know, if, um, if Moses hadn't moved... It might have been just another entertaining sideshow in the man's life. Because he moved, it became a pivotal point of transformation for his life. Let me ask you the question. Are you waiting for God to make the move on you? What has God got to do to impress you? And even if God impressed you, would you still move? I'm always struck by the fact that people, were, people have said this over the years. If God would only show me an angel right now, if only God would heal this, if only God would do that, then I would believe. And then I take them back to scripture and they crucify Jesus Christ who did all of those things. God is as close to you as you want him to be. He's here now. Uh, he is here. The question is, is are we prepared to move? Are we prepared to move to his ground? On his terms? It's a huge question. And that question may define your destiny. What we do with questions like that, are we prepared to move? Secondly, move with the right attitude. Never move closer to God and say, God, impress me, prove to me. It's God, I'm coming and I'm falling on my knees before you because I recognize that you are holy and I'm not. Humility is the key to a relationship with God and actually to find the direction in uh, your life. 
Verse 5, do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. See, the person that we're talking about, the person that we worship here at Jesus Christ, wasn't just a good man who set the example. Some people treat teach that actually what he did on the cross was, was actually as an example of self-sacrifice. Well, of course it was an example of self-sacrifice, but actually it was much more than that. This was the second person of the Trinity, um, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who died for your sin and died for my sin. Why? Because he wants us back in his family. Now, I don't know about you, I find that incredibly humbling that God would want me in his family, but he, he does. And so at the age of 15, all those years ago, when I actually, for the first time, saw that when Jesus Christ died on that cross, he was dying for my sin, I could do nothing other than fall on my face, and I wept like a baby. I've said this to you many times. But I think that's what happens when you get a, a realization of what's going on here. This isn't about buddying up with a, with a good example. This is coming to the one who created us and the one who redeemed us. I'm reminded, you know, when Peter was on that boat and, um, and, and Jesus um, revealed something of his majesty and something of his deity. And the first reaction from Peter was, depart from me, I'm a sinful man. It, it, I've said this before, it's the patio window experience on a sunny day. The windows look fine until the sun shines. You think, oh my goodness, I hope somebody doesn't call right now. Because you begin to see stains in your heart that you can't see other than by the Holy Spirit revealing stuff to you. God is saying to Moses, I'm glad you've made the move, but you've got to realize who you're coming to. I'm the one who made you. You take off your sandals. Don't come in your own merit. Don't come in your own strength. Don't come with your fancy CV. You come naked before me. Now, not, not literally. It doesn't say there that Moses took his clothes off. He said he took his sandals off, but you know what I mean. I tell you, if that was a literal thing, that Big Ten thing, it would be a really funny experience, couldn't it? Never mind. It requires humility. But I also want you to notice here about the God who calls us to come closer is a God who keeps his promises. In verse 6, he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And this Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. In other words, God was saying to him, I am the covenant-keeping God. I made some promises to Abraham, and I'm going to continue. It's that mastermind quote. Do you know what I mean? I've started, so I will finish. Many years ago, uh, as, as you know, when I came back, I came back to the Lord when I was 21, 22, something like that. I, I remember saying to God, look, Lord, I, I'll come back to you, but you, you need to recognize, Father, that 
I can't live this life. And he, he made me a promise. And it's in Philippians 1.6. It says, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. He will carry on that work. And that's the promise for each of us. Irrespective of whether or not you feel that you're in a desert at the moment, but the desert is an important place, but it's not necessarily the place that God wants us to stay. You know, I'm sure that there were many times in the desert when Moses thought that God had given up on him. But God hadn't. He was still doing his work on him. Some of the best work that God does on us is in the place of travail and pain. Why? Because it empties ourselves of our resources. And we have to throw ourselves upon him and say, God, unless you, unless you move God, then nothing's going to happen. So often... Even for us who are Christians, we can live within our resources. And God says, what a shame, because actually I have, I have my banquet in-house waiting for you. And you're eating sandwiches on the side of the road. God never, I believe, wastes our pain or our failures if we give them to him. Never. It doesn't matter what you're going through now. God will never waste what you're going through if you offer it back to him. That's the kind of God that he is. Uh, last point, and I've got to finish, is that when God calls us from where we are, he will often take us out of our comfort zones. And this is a bit that we find very uncomfortable indeed. The, the mission that's coming up, as your pastor, I need every one of you who are part of Lisbon Baptist Church to put their hand up and say, we're in this. That's why we exist. So we're in it. And so I don't need to look at empty sheets at the back because so-and-so and so-and-so hasn't volunteered for this. We're all in this. And for some of you, that might mean being part of the prayer ministry. And you think, oh, my goodness, I could never go and pray with somebody. And God's saying to you, but actually, yes, you can. Uh, for some of us, it will be cleaning the toilets. I don't, you know, I found it so wonderful that that was the first point on there. Do you know when I left my profession in finance, uh, and uh, I had a reasonably uh, strong career in there, and my own department, my own department, uh, department and car, and all that kind of stuff. The first thing that happened to me when I went to Bible college was that they assigned tasks, and my task was to clean the toilets. I remember thinking to God, you've got such a wonderful sense of humor, Lord. Because whatever pride was in this Welsh boy, he was trying to take out. God has called us to serve, to pick up the towel and, and pick up the trowel. And so this mission, please may this mission be inclusive of us as LBC and not the paid members of staff who are supposed to do these things like Ali, our community worker, or, or John and Mel, as brilliant as they are, uh, or, or this Welsh boy here. It's us. And that might mean coming out of your comfort zone. It might actually mean putting down some of the things that you're currently doing 
to enable you to do some of the things, even if it's just for the duration of that uh, week. I want to say thank you to those of you who have given up a week's annual leave to be part of that. I, I just honor people like that. Thank you. And, and why are you doing that? Because this matters. Now, for some of you, you can't. If you're a teacher, then, you know, well, actually, if you're a teacher, I think it's half term that week. So, you know, happy days. <laughs> <laughs> Have a rest, come and clean toilets at LBC, it's a wonderful thing. Yeah, yeah. If you think school stinks, oh, no, there we go. Do you know, when Moses was hearing um, God saying about hearing the plight of the people of Israel, I, I, I must have thought, just put yourself in Moses' shoes. He must have, his heart must have been singing that God was going to act until he got to the point and said, no, Moses, I want you to go. Great friend of mine um, in Scunthorpe used to have a prayer, here I am, Lord, send anybody but me. <laughs> I loved her. She'd be like Caroline. Honest. Honest. Because often that's how we feel, isn't it? But actually, I think the verse goes something like, um, Here I am, Lord. Send me. I'm available. And, and that'll take us out of our comfort zone. But we know that the Bible would have looked very different if Moses didn't move that day towards God and then move when God said to him, Right, enough of the desert. I've got something else for you to do. What is that for you? What is that for me? I, it'll be different, I'm sure. I just genuinely believe that God's bringing us into a season where there are going to be significant changes. <coughs> May they be his changes. And for his glory. And for his kingdom's sake. Let's pray. Father... Thank you for your call on our lives. Thank you for this character called Moses, who, <laughs> who appeared to be a failure, and yet Scripture speaks of him as a man who was so close to you. You did remarkable things through this man who gave all sorts of reasons why he couldn't be used. But thank you again, Father, that you remind us this morning that actually what you look for are hands that say, I'm available. So please, Lord, would you help each of us to think about where we're going and where you figure in that journey. Because, Lord, how we need to be more like Jesus. How this world needs people soaked in the love and grace and truth of Jesus. So help that be each of our goals. And, Lord, where you will take us with that, we leave in your gracious hands. But, Lord, please give us Jesus. We pray it in your powerful name. Amen.